We've got 50 cameras in Toronto for speeding. I forget the figure of how many intersections are surveilled for people going through red lights, but now they are offering that they will start detecting and tracking cell phone usage while driving. That's a different kettle of fish, though, isn't it? I'm not sure how that would work, which is why I always turn to an expert at a time like this. Driving.ca's Lorraine Sommerfeld. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so how would these, I mean, are these new cameras? Are they reformatting existing cameras? How does this work? It's new stuff. It's being done in Australia and three different provinces now, but studies were done in the U.S., and as you know, if you're if you're holding a phone, you have to be caught by law enforcement holding the phone. They have to see you, or you know, someone reports it in. And as you can guess, if you cause a collision while you're on your phone, you're highly unlikely to admit that's why you know that you had that crash. So what they're finding is AI can go through all this footage and reliably pick out people that were on their phones. So they throw out the ones where they're not sure, you know, you can't really tell. So it reduces manpower. So they station these cameras, they film, and then AI goes through it and says, hey, here is your perpetrators. You can send them a ticket just like you do when they bust a red light camera. Okay, and so that, that's the, not doing it here. Yeah, <laughs> the key to it then is this notion of AI that, you know, the computer would be constantly, it wouldn't be somebody on the other end of a camera, it'd be the computer, and the computer would be able to figure out if maybe you were using a cell phone. Exactly. And then it goes to real people. Like they feed that information to real people after they've funneled through and then they find the ones that are definite and then we can do it. And for everyone, I'm, I'm a big brother um, screamer. It's like, I can't stand all this oversight with everything. The problem is that distracted driving is overtaking impaired driving and our roads, as you know, are deadly. They're absolutely deadly. People will not put the phones down. So you got to wonder how do we do it? How do we make them put it down? And there's actually two surveys that were going on at the same time. And the other one to me is even scarier because they can track it through your phone. They know if you're holding your phone. So that that's a whole nother, as you just said, a kettle of fish. Another question is, you know, cameras outside your phone catching you do it. That's one thing. It's another level if they're going to go into your phone uh, the gyroscope and figure out if you picked it up. So th these are the things they're, they're looking at, though. Okay, and I'm kind of with you. I tend to worry about a surveillance society while also bearing in mind the number of times I have been sitting in back of somebody at a light when it changes, and clearly they're on their cell phone because they're not paying any attention to yeah. anything. Now, that situation, not particularly dangerous, coming up behind me on a cell phone, that's a problem. But, yeah, can we... I, I want to know more... For from you about your attitude toward this in terms of basically we're going to be under surveillance at all times and i get it we already are you walk through the eaton center there's a camera on you but the idea of a camera being pointed at my car at all times and a computer constantly churning in order to figure out whether or not i'm misbehaving is a little alarming well i mean it's it's not far off red light cameras and speed cameras um you know where they are and you're supposed to do it i, I think the other question we have to ask ourselves as human beings and drivers is this is the one thing at this point that is making our roads so much more deadly and you mentioned someone ahead of you paying no attention and i i did a thing a few years ago where we had on drunk goggles and we're driving and then we were texting and driving in a closed course and, and of course it was all very safe and what i realized and they didn't want me to say anything about it but i said a drunk you're trying to drive you're looking up on the road and you're trying to drive if you're distracted you're not even looking on the road and that is actually 
worse. And I, I'm not allowed to say that, except, you know, drunks are trying and distracted. People looking at their phone, their, their heads are down. And on a highway, they can go the length of a few football fields. That is terrifying if you're on the road with them. So maybe it's time to step this up. How, what do they do? I mean, to have to catch them hands-on, you happen to glance over and a cop is seeing you hold your phone. That's a little serendipitous. That's not going to happen often enough. And most of us report seeing way too many people on their phones far too frequently. Lorraine, thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. Thanks, John. Lorraine Sommerfeld from driving.ca. And uh, there's enough time for uh, people to weigh in on this. Is this a bridge too far or is it offensive enough? Like, consider for a second, not technically, but in, in a certain charter universe, roadside sobriety tests are a violation of your rights because they're just standing there. It's not even like you're driving erratically, so they pull you over and they say, we want to check to see if you're drunk. They just set up uh, a post and everybody gets pulled over. Everybody has to stop. Everybody is interviewed by a police officer. It's happened to me a couple of times. And uh, you know, you're honest, while well, I was just at a bowling alley the last time I got one of these and I had had one beer because I would lose my job if I was ever pulled over for drunk driving. So I said that and he said, all right, keep going. Because I guess I wasn't glassy eyed and disoriented, but they had to create uh, case law in order to say that it was not, that the benefit to society was great enough that it was not enough of a violation of your rights to randomly pull you over and ask you if you have been drinking. No, so that is a place where you split the difference between charter law and charter rights and police practice. But in this case, is it necessarily a violation of your rights? It would be, I think, if they were constantly monitoring your phone to see if it was picked up or if it was moving. I know that there are some apps you can use or settings that you can use that if the car is moving, and of course the phone knows when it's moving, right? Because it's you got that for the map function, for example. And so if the car is moving, then the phone simply will not work. It'll be disabled. 416-872-1010. Jody's on the line. Hi, Jody. Good morning, John. Honored to be on the show. I just wanted to say that I've had friends that have been like Big Brother, Orwell-type people for a long time. I've never subscribed to it. But the more I hear individuals like yourself bring up stories like these, it starts to make me go, man, maybe maybe this stuff really is happening. And you know, I'm in jest. I'm kind of like, you know, 20 years from now, are you going to be on? And not that, not that you would be doing the show still, but are we going to be hearing about cameras in our houses to make sure we're getting up on time for work? And it's like, are we complacent? I don't know what the answer is, but it is weird. Yeah. Well, you know what, Jody? I always say that violations of your rights are always introduced as a means for your protection. And that's how it starts. And you're right. I'm not one of those people who thinks that it's going to go pell-mell and they're going to have a camera in my bathroom to make sure, I, whatever. <laughs> but I do, stuff like this kind of sets off my spidey sense. Yeah. So anyway, good, good chat. Thanks, man. Good to have you. Uh, Bruce is on the line. Hi, Bruce. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Really enjoy you on CP24 in the mornings. Awesome. But, Thank you. Uh, I just have to say, uh, uh, if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't worry about cameras. Like, I've, I've worked in casinos and stuff. And one of something, if you're not doing anything wrong, don't worry about a camera. As long as they're not in your bedroom or your bathroom, why are you so worried about a camera being on top of you? True. Although the ones in the casinos are actually to protect the casino, aren't they? 
Of course, but in general, anywhere, if you have a camera on you, if you're not doing anything wrong, it's just like speeding or anything else. If you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have to worry about anything. It's only there to get the bad people, not the good people. Yeah, Bruce, thanks a lot. Good to have you. Problem is when, yeah, they're looking for one thing, but they start finding another. Like a lot of people worry that if there's enough camera surveillance, then, you know, somebody who's cheating on their partner somehow eventually ends up being caught out. And that's not a crime. I will point out, and this isn't entirely the same thing, but London, England is the most surveilled city on earth and crime has not gone down. But this is about whether or not you will be detected using your cell phone by a computer monitoring real-time cameras. Mike from Etobicoke. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. That last guy scares me because of, you know, that, that is basically, you know, a slow creep towards social credit system they have in China with people who are willing to basically abandon all their rights like that guy last, last guy was. Um, you know, as a society, we just have to decide where we want to draw the line. But my point is, is imagine the outrage if all of a sudden government said, we're going to use facial recognition technology, which is available, to capture anybody who's crossing the street when that little hand is flashing and they shouldn't be <laughs> in Toronto. Well, the outrage would be crazy, right? But, but somehow car drivers are okay. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? I almost think I'd go for that. <laughs> that scares me, too. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Good to have you. Oh, that is one of my preoccupations, I have to say. And I try to be a good pedestrian. But you've been, as a driver, because I know almost everybody listening right now is probably in a car, you've been in this situation almost every day. You want to turn right or left. So you're going to have to cross people who are crossing uh, by foot. And long after the countdown clock has come up, people are still starting to cross. As a matter of fact, the other day when I was coming home from here, somebody st stepped into the pedestrian crosswalk, which was not a designated crosswalk, but they started across the street when there was one second left on the clock. And so I had to sit there. I didn't get to turn for an entire light cycle because somebody was being a bad pedestrian. Yeah, I think the whole key to that is coming up with a protocol where... Pedestrians, yes, absolutely have a protected crossing, but when they're supposed to be done crossing, then they should be done crossing. So in Montreal, for example, the pedestrian light comes up and everybody in cars and on bike uh, has to stay there and wait it out. And then about, I don't know, eight seconds in, finally the cars get the go ahead, but then the pedestrian signal goes back to don't cross. And so you separate the traffic instead of having this business where almost routinely, I think often in the core, pedestrian lights fire up like two seconds before the light changes from red to green, but that's not enough. And then you get the countdown clock, which I don't know about you when you're driving, but for me, it's just like, I can make it. <laughs> one second left. I'm going to burn this yellow. Uh, but if the pedestrian signal, uh, you know, is still going with a countdown clock, then people are going to cross. So there are protocols. And one of the things I'll complain about forever in this town is we always exist as if there is no other city on earth that we could learn something from. In just a moment... Pick up a story you heard about on Free For All Round 2. The lawyer for a guy in Chelsea, Quebec, who is facing $3,000 in fines for saying some really rude things on social media. 